Well, hey, this is Preston. Go Conversations with Ministry Voices. This is Jared Bryant, a pastor of Community Life and Missions at Bethel. And I'm excited about the two guys that we have with us tonight. You know, the, the purpose of this podcast is, is really a few reasons. Uh, we want to raise awareness and prayerfulness for our ministry partners. Uh, we want a chance for them to encourage us to give us suggestions, ideas, challenges, resources on how to live on mission. And then just to hear how we can be praying, how, could, how we can be involved, how, how we can be engaged in what God is doing nationally, globally, around the world. You know, God doesn't stop moving in pandemics, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, in fact, he's using the pandemic in many ways, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, the two guys we have with us. Uh, first, we have Ash. And I know this is an audio podcast. I wish you guys could see the background in his room. He has Captain America shield. He's got Iron Man posters. This is, I told him, the, the coolest background of anyone I've interviewed so far in this podcast. Uh, so Ash, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and your ministry a little bit? Yeah, I am uh, Ash. Uh, from the Isaac Ishmael Initiative. Um, and our ministry is a um, ministry that focuses on outreach um, to Muslim, Muslims and uh, Jewish communities uh, through the local believers and the church. Um, our ministry is focused in two areas, outreach and help uh, refugees and those in need. Um, from the name Isaac Ishmael, it, um, uh, the name came from um, me as a Muslim background, uh, so I'm the Ishmael of the initiative, and my ministry partner come and co-worker come from a Jewish background, so we are the Isaac Ishmael initiative. And then uh, we also have with us Lane, so Lane, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, first, I'm the other guy that just has a white background, so um, you're not missing much with, with this being a podcast because I'm not offering too much with my background. But as you said, my name is Lane, and I am part of a nonprofit that focuses on holistic community development and disciple making, utilizing the practice of life to life disciple making, but inviting communities to see God's redemptive work encompassing all areas of life and so that it's not only engaging a restoration of relationship to God through Jesus but also seeing uh, how they relate to their neighbors how they relate to their own selves uh, in their inner world their mental health but then also how they engage their resources as stewards of creation and our predominant focus with the communities that we work with are uh, those that have been pushed to the margins so internationally that is uh, the case as well as with our team, we are working with refugees in a major U.S. city. And so we are working with an immigrant community that uh, deals with challenges and realities that are unique to them, but also uh, opportunities and resources that they bring that brings a lot of uh, beauty to the community that wouldn't be there if without their presence. Yeah, that's great. You know, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring these two guys together in this conversation is because both of their ministries, although stateside and local and regional have incredible global and international impact, which is, which is by design, uh, you know, working with uh, folks who are here in the States, uh, internationals and otherwise, but uh, impacting regions all over the world. 
So Ash, I want to hear from you. You know, I, I have heard your testimony a number of times and I never tire of it. I never get sick of it. Uh, I mean, to everybody's testimony is amazing because it's a story of, you know, God working through his grace. But if you could just tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your uh, God story, how the Lord just uh, reached out to you and, and how God is using that. Well, I think you put it in the, in the right way, you know, it's a God story. So I come from Arab uh, Muslim Sunni background, was born and raised in a family that rules and tradition is uh, the core of that family. And part of that tradition is the rules of religion, uh, which in my family, uh, for my family is Islam. And so part of my tradition is uh, as the firstborn um, is to be prepared for kind of leadership status or position in the family, uh, especially with my grandfather being the leader of the, the bigger family. And so for that reason, I was put into uh, training and under his mentorship, um, kind of an old fashioned um, uh, discipleship style, living with the master to learn from him uh, not only the uh, cultural perspective of being the leader of the family, but also the religious perspective and the, how religion applied in all um, in all these matters, because especially for Muslim families, uh, Islam is not just a way of worship, of worshiping, but it's also a way of managing and facilitate their daily life issues. And so that opened my eyes into the bigger idea of start thinking about God as young as six, seven years old. And so as I'm seeking my, my, tra my training with my grandfather about learning uh, about God more, I start kind of wandering around and wanted to, to get to know more about God. Um, and so around age 13, uh, I did what most teenagers do. I uh, slipped away in the, in the, in the way and um, went to choose my own faith in terms of understanding God due to a series of, uh, of events that really led, um, brought doubt into my um, conscious and mind against the family faith. During those wandering years, uh, I, got, I got to know a friend of mine who come from a Christian background and he was different from all the Christians that I knew back then. Um, now, I come from uh, Jordan, which is a dominant Muslim country, but there is still um, uh, Christian communities, and the, par the chances are there to find uh, Christian friends. Uh, and so I got influenced by this friend, uh, Faith, and his uh, connection with God and his love and his way of talking about Jesus and pray. And I think back at, at the beginning, um, I start wishing I have that peace or that uh, uh, relationship with God that he has. Uh, and then one led to another from reading books to radio station programs to uh, being desperate and praying, God spoke to me and um, I accept him.
Yeah, that's – if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. Just God intervening and uh, revealing himself. Uh, so we're, we're so grateful, uh, and obviously you and your, your family are grateful for just what God has been doing, what has done in your life and has continued to do in your life. Uh, really, for both of you guys, I want to ask this. You know, I, I recently read a book this year called A Wind in the House of Islam uh, by David Garrison, how – uh, God is drawing Muslims around the world to faith in Jesus Christ. And he says in this book that there, there have been massive disciple-making movements among Muslims all over the world in, in every major region around the world, uh, so much so that more Muslims have been uh, trusting in Jesus in the last 20 years than the previous 1,400 years in the history of Islam combined. I mean, it just... God is doing some unbelievable things right now. And we even see that right now in the midst of the pandemic, maybe because of the pandemic, how God is using it. So maybe each of you could share what you have seen. Like, how have you seen God uh, move, especially among the Muslim world? You know, Jared, I think when I look at what's going on right now, a, a big reason for it is that the church, as it stands, is starting to shake off some of the cultural nuances that we've inherited that we've started to just think is part of the essentials that Jesus gave his disciples that ultimately are barriers and have historically been barriers for, for Muslims to come to faith in Jesus. An analogy that we use in our work is it's like Jesus said, he's the bread of life. And so we are, we are handing the bread of life to others, but too often we hand them the bread of life with the plastic wrapping still attached. And so they end up getting sick because they're trying to consume the plastic, not realizing the only part that we wanted them to have was the bread. And it's our role to unwrap the bread from the plastic, our, our norms and our cultural uh, expectations that we sort of ascribe to the gospel. And so there's just a lot of tools and resources that have come out one of them being uh, the prophet study where you work through the prophets of scripture that are also found in Muslim faith and helping connect the dots to see God's mercy and how that mercy ultimately points to the person of Jesus. But that sort of recognizing the obstacles and the barriers that we can bring to the table that can hinder our Muslim brother or sister from seeing the reality of who Jesus is, uh, I think that's then the shift for us as the church. So it's in one part, yes, the spirit moving in the Muslim world, but it's also the spirit working in the church uh, to recognize there's been certain barriers and stumbling blocks that we have inadvertently put in their path to finding Jesus. That's so true. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about the Christian gospel, I think, is that it's, it's one truth of salvation and redemption in Jesus, but the beautiful thing is it can be, uh, culturally nuanced. I mean, it, it uh, like, as you said, the way it is uh, you know, packaged is, is so important and, and how uh, various cultures, you know, receive it. Uh, so it, it's powerful in that sense that no one culture owns the gospel that it is truly for, for all peoples. And, and I really see a lot of, you know, certainly as you said, but also a lot of stereotypes that have, uh, you know, started to come down over the last 20 years among Christians, at least in the States. I mean, just one other example is historically for us as, as Christians in the West and of a European background, we 
often ascribe the gospel in a way that is of innocence and guilt, which is a hundred percent true. But you know, for the Muslim people, it is often an honor shame understanding. That's how they view their world is from a place of honor and shame. Or for those in an African context, it's oftentimes one of power and fear. And so all of those are found in the gospel and you can see them written in, especially the, the epistles and the writings of Paul that we just have to recognize there's different facets, sort of like I've heard it analogy is that the gospel is like a diamond uh, and we see one facet of it, but it's not the entirety of it. And so we're learning from the global church today to better articulate the gospel in a way that makes sense for a Muslim background person or for um, an animistic person in, in Africa. I would uh, add to what Lynn said, but not to mention a lot of the change that's happening in the church. From my perspective as Middle Eastern as, and as a, um, somebody who grew up in, in the Middle East, I think the change that God is doing in the church has made a uh, really need to, ch to a change in the Muslims and the Arab community in specific. So, you know, that verse about that Jesus came in the right time, and we always read about how the Roman um, prepared the roads and did lots of um, um, network of um, uh, laws and all these different elements uh, that work together. I think also the change in the church has made a movement in the Middle East uh, or among the, Arab, uh, the Muslims that came with uh, one, the uh, revolution of uh, information and uh, globalization. So today, any Muslim sitting on their home, they can watch, uh, uh, they can learn about the gospel through radio, through TV, through uh, the internet. Um, many of the books that even including the gospel, back uh, like let me say 20, the same uh, timeline as um, Len said, 20 years ago, uh, uh, I, when I came first to um, learn about Christ or I, tried, I was trying to read the gospel, I did not have uh, an access to get a gospel. Even if I went to a church, I got a gospel, I can't have it in my home because it's not it's not my family tradition it's not welcome kind of but today for example my brother who just accepted christ two or three years ago he can read it in his uh, iphone while he's sitting with the family in the living room so uh, technology the revolution in technology has brought all these Things. And we know that um, as much as the secular uh, minds behind it, but God also used these, uh, uh, the tools that we have today. Um, I think uh, the church also has awakened in the Middle East because for a long time, uh, the idea of missional work is um, American or a European guy come to the Middle East, live there, spend long time to learn about the culture and the language and 
uh, tradition and then start a ministry. I think today people there are really prepared and really uh, uh, willing to be uh, involved in the mission field, seeing themselves as missionaries, not as a host for a missionary uh, only. And on the other hand, we have seen a lot of immigration movement from the Middle East, if it's uh, willingly for looking for uh, uh, studying or um, better life condition, or firstly, <laughs> like the, the uh, refugees crisis. I think God has used all that to do that exchange between the culture and religion. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like you said, globalization has been a, a major factor and the accessibility. I mean, you know, that's one of the things we're seeing in the midst of COVID is that people are online more than ever and people are searching. You know, I, I shared with these guys earlier, uh, I had heard from a ministry partner last week that Ramadan this year was different than it ever has been in the 1400 years of Islamic history because of COVID. Everyone was at home. They couldn't go to the mosque to do the usual celebrations and and, and reminders and the teachings uh, of Islam. And so many of them have started to search online and to, to ask questions. So there's, there's a lot of seeking going on. God is certainly at work. Uh, Lane, I'd love to hear from you. You know, you work with uh, refugees, internationals, displaced peoples. Uh, how would you describe the pandemic from, from their perspective? That's a great question. There's sort of two sides of that that answer uh the first has been uh start with a positive of there's this idea called the migration principle where many of the people that find themselves uh as an immigrant or uh in our case largely as a refugee there is a lot of resourcefulness and perseverance that is just embedded in their character to bring them to this point of I forcibly have been displaced from my home. I have stayed in a refugee camp for a number of years, and then I have finally been added to a list of recognized refugees by the United Nations to then be resettled into a receiving country, the United States being one of those. To go through all of that brings with it a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. And so you see that one not only in the, their pursuit of work and you know, I have Syrian neighbors who have started multiple businesses in the five years that they lived here with English, not knowing any English prior to coming to the States, but just that resourcefulness is present. Within the church, I would say that the refugee-led churches, or as we call them, new American churches, they have... They, they readily adapted to the technology that's at our disposal, I would say, faster than some of the... Uh, American established churches that I had seen prior to that. They were automatically shifting their, their services to Zoom or to Facebook Live and just adapted that quickly and changed their meeting times throughout the week just to connect with prayer over WhatsApp and Viber. And so that's just to see that and to see the ways that they've excelled in that. I was witnessing it prior to even other local churches starting that same or them trying to figure out how do we stay in our normal way of doing things at the physical building, the refugee community has already adapted. So that's a beautiful thing that I've seen and witnessed and have learned from. And we've been able to, to continue partnering with them even in the midst of the season. The downside has definitely been that 
for a refugee, oftentimes service industries are the first go-to for business and for employment. Even if uh, a, a business is started down the road, out of the gate, it's going to be a service industry. So that same Syrian family, and I can speak to the East African communities that we're working with, they, they've lost their jobs and have not gotten them back. And so they are seeking to be adaptable, but hotels and restaurants were some of the first to be hit by the impact of the pandemic. And those are also going to be the ones straggling behind to ever reopen. And that is a main crux of, of their employment when they are first arriving in the state. So we've definitely seen the challenges of employment and then also being strong community minded and valued uh, individuals and families. Many of the apartment complexes where I'm living are multi-generational. And so similar to what we saw in Italy with there much being a much higher amount of people who are having uh, contact from COVID-19 was because of there being three generations within one space. That's the same happening here. And so the community I'm in definitely had a higher rate of contraction of, of the virus than the surrounding, the surrounding city because of that. Now, if someone at Bethel wants to get involved or, or learn more about refugee ministry, what would you guys recommend? What, what would you recommend they, they do? I have a lot of different options. I don't know if there's a, uh, <laughs> um, a comment section or a resource section that we can throw up uh, in the podcast, like notes or whatnot, but uh, I sort of think of it in a couple different angles. One is from a, you know, in our, our lessons, we think of a knowledge, attitude, and practice. So if you want to engage sort of on an intellectual level around uh, refugees and the reality of refugees, uh, two books written by staff members of World Relief, which is the evangelical ministry that works with resettlement of refugees in the United States. They've written a book on sort of a broader theme of immigration called Welcoming the Stranger. And then a one that's more specifically around the realities of refugees who are one of the groupings or one of the categories of immigration, and that's called Seeking Refuge. It definitely would be two that I'd recommend from a knowledge standpoint, but also from a just understanding God's heart towards it and towards uh, the circumstance of the 70 million people that are displaced in the world today. Uh, another one would be a documentary that's available for free on Amazon Prime, and I believe Netflix, but I can double check that and fact check that, but it's called Human Flow, which is a great documentary that, that showcases just the story of, of those and the struggles and the, the victories in their journey to, uh, to be resettled. But practically, I would say for those listening, especially in the Chicagoland area, World Relief has an office in North Chicago. There's the Welcome Network in Northwest Indiana, those are two very practical ways and ministries and organizations that are doing phenomenal work and are on the front lines of, of walking alongside these families that always are in need of, of collaboration and partnership. And, and I can say specifically from knowing uh, World Relief Office and other resettlement agencies that are in vicinity of the city I'm in that uh, there's really a need for the church to step up and... I mean, ultimately, World Relief's vision is to equip the church to be the ones who are welcoming. And in lieu of the church has been these resettlement agencies. So there's a lot of opportunity there. 
to uh, to partner and to find out other ways to connect. But I definitely recommend those as a practical way locally in Chicagoland. Yeah, and, and if I can interject, uh, you know, uh, one of you mentioned Welcome Network. That's an organization that Bethel has partnered with uh, in the past and continues to um, amazing organization. So. For any of you listening, if you want, uh, you know, definitely email me, jbryant at bethelweb.org. And I'd be happy to send you any of these resources Lane mentioned and or to connect you uh, with him or with Welcome Network. I think to get involved in the ministry, you need to know if you are uh, um, called to it. Um, so make sure that you want to serve. Uh, make sure that... Um, you get over all the stereotypes of uh, people like the immigrants, like Muslims, um, get rid of the news image of all Muslim terrorists, for example, or all refugees are here to uh, get our jobs and country and, um, and safety. Um, know that you are serving people to give them and show them Christ's love. So, uh, and Jesus has already loved those people. So if you want to show Jesus' love, you have to seek um, their love. So share your life uh, and uh, open your life to uh, those people and let them welcome into your life and faith, share about your family. Don't stumble about what I want to talk about Islam or how I can prove their faith is wrong. Uh, just talk Jesus and share the gospel and um, the light of the gospel is enough to shine. I can't tell you how many times I heard from people that we work with here or internationally, uh, that somebody has somebody who came believer later, but they were they rejected the gospel message before they um, because they felt that they felt like targeted um, politically or because there are misunderstanding on politics more than on faith. So, yeah, so if you feel you're ready with all these um, um, points, I think you're ready to go and involve with others. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Ash, because, I, yeah, I would definitely echo that of any healthy cross-cultural engagement begins with an examination of my own motivations and the ways that I approach that. And the way of the kingdom is one of humility and not of arrogance and acknowledging we might be getting it wrong at times. And, and the posture of the kingdom is like, I was just even reading the other day in Isaiah, the prophet says like the cornerstone, which was established, which we know is Jesus. He's established on justice as the, the measurement and righteousness as the plumb line. And so this equity, the equitable way that we approach people and this relating rightly to one another, that posture, uh, is a work of the spirit. And so even like going off of what you're sharing, Ash, like some books that come to mind are like Toxic Charity and Charity Detox by Robert Lupton. Yeah. As, as well as uh, there's another book called Whole and Reconciled by Al Tizan. And so both of those are getting at uh, 
ways that we can actually harm people and the ways that we engage prematurely? And then also, what is God's kingdom actually bringing about in our world today? And how can I join that and be in best alignment to what God is doing in the kingdom? So yeah, it's definitely, I want to hit on that, that what you're sharing, Ash, of like, it does start a lot of times in the home and in our own, just searching out the scriptures and seeing God's heart for ultimately seeing every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne. That's his heartbeat. It's been his heartbeat since the beginning. And so to, to posture ourselves to the, towards that is what makes for more fruitful partnership in the long run. I appreciate you guys because you both essentially said, you know, we, we have to go back to basics and love God and love people. Now you got to do it the right way. We have to evaluate our heart and our motives behind that, but it's loving God and, and loving people. That's what ministry is, is all about. What, what do you guys wish that Christians knew about either Muslim ministry, refugee ministry, just cross-cultural ministry engagement in general. What do you wish Christians knew? Yeah, I mean, I think there's several things. Uh, I feel like that's been the theme of my responses uh, to these things, which is par in the course. Our work sees everything as integrated, so it's hard to single it down to one thing. But I think one of the key factors when we're, I would hope that people would understand is that the the stories of engaging the mission of God that maybe we heard growing up or some of the quote-unquote greats that we exemplify as heroes of missions world is one of often going from here to quote-unquote there. And I had a, a professor in seminary who's teaching around missiology and the study of missions, he, he shared this illustration once of a student who was super excited and had a, a heart for a people in, in Far East Asia. And uh, the professor was like, that's wonderful. This is great news. And found out where the student was living and discovered that their apartment complex was kitty corner to a restaurant that was owned by that specific people group. And he asked him, have you ever gone and eaten at that restaurant? And the student replied, no. And the professor was shocked and and paused and said, but I thought that you said you had a heart for these people. Are you only excited for them when you get to their country, but are not excited about the people that represent that country right here in your own neighborhood. And that illustration is sort of this disconnect that sometimes I've had in my own upbringing that, the Lord has, has to bring me through, but this idea that either the work, the mission of God is for an exclusive few, uh, that has often been the narrative that we've seen growing up, or that the mission of God is somewhere halfway around the world. And what I find, and what I was even experiencing when I was living in Northwest Indiana, is the, the opportunity that is at our disposal in, in engaging with the world in our backyard because of that globalization that we were talking about earlier. So the, the realities and the challenges are equally met by the opportunity and the potential and the difference lies in how we respond. And so I think it's critical for us as believers and for followers of Jesus to recognize that uh, I can filter this sort of as, Ash was sharing of this like political perspective or uh, my own fears and nuances. That's one lens, or I have the lens of the kingdom of God 
and God's aim to bring every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around his throne. I mean, Ash's story is a testament of a Christian in proximity to Ash being the salt and light and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and that transforming him. Uh, there's that opportunity in plethora in and around the cities of the U.S. and the cities of the world. And so that is an opportunity at our disposal of, of what we call the day of missions. It's from everywhere to everywhere and to jump on that. And, you know, just one other challenge that I was thinking, it was like sort of circling back to the pandemic and, and what we're learning in this season is it reminds me of an Acts when God put some pressure on the local church and they scattered, uh, you know, up to that point for the Jewish believers, they only understood the church to be in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of their idea of who God is and what his kingdom was, but to scatter was like a new paradigm. And yet that was what God was inviting him, inviting the church into. And I just can't help but see, and I've seen this Testament from multiple people, as I shared earlier of the refugee community doing this, but I feel like the Lord is bringing the church right now into an opportunity to press into this reality that church is bigger than building, that church is bigger than event and and as much we can either like sort of fight it and try to just hold on to the Jerusalem that we've known or to sort of say, OK, Lord, like I'm going to open I'm going to hold this with a loose grip and an open hand and say, God, what do you have for us? And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for the small groups of Bethel to be being the church and engaging their neighbor and being the church and engaging local establishments and and rubbing shoulders with with the immigrant community in northwest Indiana. Yeah, there are so many opportunities right now, especially, I mean, there are all the time, but especially in the midst of a pandemic. So we don't want to miss all that's God, all the open doors God has given us right around us. So yeah, good word. Thanks, Lane. Well, I want to thank our two guests, Lane and Ash, for joining us for this podcast episode. You know, we have talked about Muslim ministry, refugee ministry, cross-cultural ministry, and we need to be in prayer for all these things and more. And so for any of you, again, if you would like any resources or further connections, please email me jbryant at BethelWeb.org and I'd happy be happy to forward any of that to you. So again, thank you for joining us today for Pray, Send, Go Conversations with Ministry Voices. And I hope that you are able to join us next time. God bless. <laughs>